This is a Blended Radio audio experience. Welcome to Coach's Corner with the coaches at Blended Athletics. Welcome to another edition of Coach's Corner. I'm Daryl. I think I'm going to be leading this thing today. And with me, I have the infamous or maybe famous Kimberly Kidd, as well as the also infamously famous, whatever I'm trying to say, Jason Ward. (laughs) Today, our conversation is going to be on presence or being present why it's important, how to do it, and uh, yeah, other things about this really obscure topic. Uh, so just to kind of start us off, I guess we'll, we'll begin with one of you. Presence, Kimberly, how would you define it? Or what is that? What does it mean to you? I would say it means being aware of your surroundings, um, situationally what's going on around you, within you, um, in the moment. That's presence for me. Mirror a lot of the same sentiments as Kim there. Like, it is, like, about being where you are in that moment. Like, so whether that's in the gym, at home, with your kids, with friends, like, whatever. Like, not distracted, not doing something else with your mind. You're there where you are doing what you're doing. Yeah, I have to say that I agree. I agree 100% with both of you. But I feel like whenever – so whenever I read anything about the topic of presence, it always seems so obscure, like – You say, you know, be present. Well, what does that actually mean? And I feel like that's a really hard thing to kind of describe. And so for me, I feel as if if I were to try and define presence, I would say it's it's more of a a focusing kind of of the lens of your attention on a specific thing that's going on in your immediate environment. Um, So often I feel with myself, you know, there's a tendency to kind of get drawn, drawn into my head and start thinking about things. And I don't know if anybody else kind of experiences life like this, but you can be somewhere, maybe driving down the road, and a really vivid thought pops into your head. And all of a sudden, you will have driven for five, ten minutes, but not been aware of anything that happened. In the meantime, you've changed lanes, you've stopped at lights, you've, you know, adjusted the radio station, but you have no memory or recollection of that. Because when you get absorbed into your head, it literally, it's like you're being sucked out of physical reality and this kind of, this mental reality that you live in. And so for me, being present, coming back to that present moment awareness, you anchor your attention into your body and then you engage with your surroundings, with your your physical senses. You know, you're, you're looking physically at what you're seeing. You're listening to the sounds around you. You're feeling everything that's going on in your body, um, within your body as well. And you're using that to kind of stay anchored to what's going on in physical reality. Mm-hmm. That would be so being on like autopilot, right. I think a lot of us go on autopilot through the day because we're not experiencing anything that's different or abnormal or out of the ordinary um, that you will find you've just made breakfast, but it's, you don't really pay attention to how it was built and structured mm-hmm. in order for it to be there. Um I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing, um, but autopilot is its pretty common in our it society is, for yeah, a lot of people. Definitely. Well, I think part of the issue, though, is that like for a lot of people, when they go on autopilot, it's not because they're thinking about something else. It's just like they go absent. Mm-hmm. They checked out as opposed to being checked into something. They're not, they're not aware. They're just doing Right, like like a machine, like they're automatons. Yeah, uh, and that's like uh, that would be like the opposite of presence to me. Like that's a state that I've actually been into. Like I remember, uh, probably like 2010 or so, I was working in a physiotherapy clinic, and it was like a half hour, 45 minute drive to and from every day. I don't remember the drives. 
not once. I don't know how I got home, don't know how I got to work. I do not remember those experiences at all. And then like and one day I was just like, why do I keep doing this? <laughs> like, where do I go when I drive? <laughs> yeah, like what what am I doing while I'm driving my car? How have I not been in an accident? I have no idea. Right. Like that whole stretch of highway. And I was like, I need to learn how to be more aware and more present in what's happening around me. And that's kind of like when I started my journey on like how to be more present. And so if you read, if you read neuroscience, which I'm sure a lot of people don't do because it's really boring and heavy stuff, <laughs> um, they talk a lot about like the default mode network and that kind of being, that kind of being the baseline level that human consciousness resides at, at a specific point in your life. And so if I, if I use my son Sion as an example, he's two now, he's still in that phase to where he doesn't have so much mental stuff clogging his, his head and his mind that he's actually very, very much present with himself. And I feel it's that the more that he learns to identify a specific object by, by a word, like I'm looking at this pen and when I look at it, there's a mental thought of pen like in my head, whether I hear it or I see P-E-N in my mind. But if he looks at this, he doesn't know what it is. He can't attach a label to it. So he just kind of observes it as it is. And I feel like the more that we learn to label things in our environment, the more associations we create with things and the easier it is to slip into that that default mode network because you don't really have to pay attention anymore because you're not experiencing anything new. And so uh, going back to your driving example, let's say you drive to a new area. I'm I'm quite certain that you'd be very much present with with what you see because everything is new and, and not familiar. And so you're forced to pay attention that way you know where you're going. You know, if like you've ever been driving suddenly get caught in snow or rain, you'll probably find that you turn your radio off. That way you can focus more on, on what you're doing so you're not distracted from from the act of driving. So it's one of those those interesting things there. Yeah. Anything else to add to that before we move on to the next one? It's definitely like taking in your environment is more important as the environment does become less the norm. Right. Um, and that's like part of why I could check out while I was driving. Cause it was like, I mean, like it was all highway. So it's not like there were a lot of st stops and starts, but like thinking back on it, it's like there are a lot of turns and places where you have to merge and move across. And mm -hmm. I don't remember doing those things because like I did them so often I didn't have to check in to be able to do them. Right. So in your opinion, what's the difference then between somebody that's on autopilot and somebody that has a natural, a skill that's coming naturally to them, that they don't have to be totally engulfed in whatever they're doing in order to be there or move there or create this or that? Um, you got it. Yeah, go ahead. I so guess. I was going to say it's, okay, when you, let's take Jason's rope flow as an example. You're, you're first learning a new skill. You haven't built built up the, the uh, you know, the signals or the wiring in your body in terms of your nervous system to actually do it. So everything that you're doing feels really, really awkward and like you don't understand it. And so you have to pay attention to your body at that point because you're trying to build those new neural pathways in order to make the option or the action more, more accessible to you. But over time, the more that you do it, the more you build up those neural networks that allow you to do that option or that action more and more clearly and more defined over time. And so it's, it's a really interesting thing because even something like a rope flow, when you get too used to the patterns itself, you can find that you will go on autopilot because your body already knows how to do it. And so that's the, the amazing thing about the body is that once it learns a skill, it'll regulate it to the physical body itself. And so your mind doesn't have to play a role in it. Because if you go, um, go back to driving as an example, 
there are literally thousands of adjustments that you make to the steering wheel and like gas pressure and like brake pressure and all these different really, really subtle things that are going on, but you don't have to be aware of it because your body is so used to responding to, to the road and to the car as it, you know, traverses the terrain that it's on. So it's a, it's a fascinating, but really disturbing thing to think about. Mm-hmm. And the effects of, of what happens if you don't continue to push yourself right. beyond your boundaries you'll end up just really, it sounds like boredom within your life. Floating through life. Yeah. 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 But like that, that I think is the difference is that like you just reach a point where you're not learning anything new. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're just on autopilot all the time. You're mm-hmm. not trying to learn a new skill or apply yourself in a different way or experience a new environment or whatever the case might be. But like, if you get into that type of life, that's when you're like strictly autopilot, not present at all. Like you're just going through the motions, right? Like your brain doesn't really check into what's happening. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like there's definitely going to be points in your life where that's okay, mm-hmm. right? Like sometimes we do need to kind of like let our brain shut off and like do stuff that's to get through. Like, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Like it, it is important sometimes to have that, but at the same time, like if you're never present, are you really even living your life? Mm. Mm. Good question. <laughs> so moving us moving us into the next topic, distractions. Let's start with why why we feel the need to or why you on a on a personal level feel the need to distract yourself. I think that from what I observe of other people, especially like it's considering we work at the gym, people often use distractions to fill a void. So whether it we're so stimulated all the time. And when we don't, as humans, in my opinion, have a certain stimulus, we long for something more. So the awkward silences that you might have in between a conversation, people will naturally grab their phone and fill that void with something to feel like that it's not happening. Um, I guess it's just what I observe with distractions a lot. I mostly related with our phones, phones and technology yeah. is yeah. I think what the majority of us see. So what about for you personally though, Kimberly? Um, in which way? So like when, when do you feel the need to distract yourself? Um, I, I would say more so I, I try to pay attention to the times that I do feel like I need to be distracted with something and I avoid it. So, like, if you're waiting outside the grocery store for your significant other to run in and pick up something quick, naturally people, I'll observe my significant other on his phone when I'm waiting at the front of the door to be picked up. (laughs) So I have to walk to the car, which infuriates me to no end. But I, so I have observed that, so I avoid that situation from allowing me to let that happen within my life. So I will not go on my phone if I'm just in a waiting room, not that we're very often in waiting rooms with COVID, but I've always tried to, if I was at proactive waiting for a chiropractic appointment, I would just sit there and observe other people and watch outside and really try not to be on my phone. Right. The interesting thing about that is that you're still distracting yourself. You've just chosen a different way to A different to stimulus, yourself. yeah, for sure. Right? Um, I guess a lot of us assume that the phone distraction is the, yeah. the evil of all evils <laughs> right now. Um, consuming content, um, I guess, is the distraction that I'm avoiding. Right, yeah. Um, 
I think that it is about avoiding discomfort. So mm-hmm. something that we don't want to like either face in some cases like pain, if there's pain, you might have an avoidance, like mm-hmm. trying to get away from it. And that can be emotional, physical, spiritual, like whatever. Um, and, or, or just like boredom or hunger or whatever the case might be. And that's usually when I find myself trying to distract myself is if there's something uncomfortable that I don't want to deal with, right? Or that I'm not ready to cope with at that moment. Um, and like, and you can use whatever you want to deal with that. Like your phone, you can like observe what other people are doing, uh, yeah, like playing video games, whatever the case might be. Like usually those things are to distract you from something that you know you should be dealing with, but you're not ready to face or you're not allowing yourself to be present enough to realize you have to face it. Mm-hmm. That's huge. I would say for me, I most often feel the need to distract myself I would say in the evenings that's when it's usually the hardest and I feel like that's the way it is for a lot of people I know if I if I take my dog out for a walk um and it's nighttime and I'll just look I'll just look and observe my my surroundings as I'm walking but I'll notice that universally I'll see dark windows with a hint of blue which shows me that like most people are kind of sitting in front of their screens and I feel like as a culture that's kind of when we choose a, a mass checkout distraction time is when we all you know, we all go home and, um, and sit in front of our, you know, our box, whatever that is, whether it's a laptop or TV, computer, phone, tablet, whatever. And so I, I feel that I feel that same pull a lot of times, you know, it's eight or nine o'clock at night. My little boy's going to bed. I finally have an hour or two to myself. And I think, hmm, I, I want to entertain myself with something because I, I don't spend a lot of time on my on my devices during the day. And so I'll feel that pull as opposed to wanting to to do something more productive. But even even when I think about it and I have the desire to pull out a book. I do realize it too. I'm distracting myself. And I feel like for me to take time sometimes and just sit in a chair and not do anything at all is a lot of times the the thing that I need the most is to just sit there and do nothing. And I feel like that's what a lot of people have a hard time doing is to just sit or stand in one place without feeling the need to occupy that time with something other than, than just what is. And, and Jason made a really good point when he said, you know, even even the act of like looking around the room is a distraction. And I, I, I agree and I disagree at the same time. It's kind of weird. Um, I the way I try and look at it is I try and keep a portion of my attention rooted in my body. And so even if I'm sitting, you know, sitting in a waiting room, which, like you said, doesn't really happen anymore. But I'm aware of like right now, I'm aware of the fact that I'm shaking my leg. Um, as I talk or I'm bouncing a little bit in this chair, I'll be aware of my breathing. And so there, there, I think there does have to be some type of observation of something going on. Otherwise you just are in, in checkout mode. And, and yes, like you said, like we tend to look at the phone or the device as the, the evil of all evils, which it, it can be, or it, it can't be, I guess it depends on, on your reason for consuming it or, or using it. Um, in the, the intent, I guess the intent always ends up going back to intent. I think you can be present in your distractions. 100%. So like to say like reading a book is a distraction, but you can be present within that book and thoroughly enjoy what you're doing and consuming and retaining the data. I think a distraction is more something that you won't remember. Right. Right. Like you won't remember chewing on your fingernails when you're nervously shaking your leg or uh, when you, I find myself playing with my hair often as a distraction between a conversation. 
I don't know if other women can relate with that, where you just look at your own split ends <laughs> as a distraction. I thought that was what they what do you might be doing. Learning. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's evolved it's over evolved. time. <laughs> Men's health <laughs> could be both. Yeah. <laughs> Probably context specific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a big that's a big point too. Um, so there's still presence within. There is still presence. Yeah, and even even yeah. to go back to your book analogy, I feel. You know, when I'm reading like a fiction novel, I would say it is a distraction, but I'm fully immersed in that. If I'm reading something like a Star Wars novel and it's, I'm in the middle of some giant action scene and there's ships blowing up and lightsaber battles and stuff, there is a full concrete picture in my mind of what's going on. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm immersed in that world, but it's a, it's a conscious thing for me. So of course, yes, it is, it is a quote distraction, but at the same time, I'm immersed in that distraction. Mm-hmm. Which I also think you can be immersed within a movie. Right, 100%. But chances are if you're playing an old movie, it's just a distraction to get you to the end of your evening or whatever it is. A distraction to to calm down the mind through all the other whatever to get ready for bed. Um, But do you think TV is more of a distraction? It's sort of interesting because they've actually, like, done some studies with that and that, like, some people utilize shows or movies that they've seen hundreds and hundreds of times. I'm like, why would you keep watching that same program over and over again? And generally it was to cope with anxiety mm-hmm. because you know exactly what's coming next. You're not surprised. You know exactly what's going to keep happening as this progresses. And that gives people a sense of comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, it's a distraction. Sure. But it's also there to help calm you in most like circumstances, I would say. So you're just like, coping with that situation whatever it is you're dealing with and i think like anxiety is something we can all agree we're kind of experiencing right now with like this global pandemic Mm -hmm. like everybody's a little bit on edge so you're looking for things to help you ease that anxiety and so like if you are finding yourself gravitating towards things that you've consumed hundreds of times you know exactly what's coming next that's probably why you want it's interesting that you that say that because I I have like specific movies that I watch if things happen in my life. Like if I've gone through a breakup, I have a specific movie that I always put on because it just like recenters me back into where I'm supposed to be. And like and because I have watched it so many times that it's you do know what's coming and you do yeah. know the state of mind that it gave me when I've done it before. So maybe that's creatures of habit that we put ourselves through that thing again in order to get back to where where we want to be or yeah. that feeling that we got at yeah. the end of it or I mean the, the brain creates powerful associations with very like very many different things in our lives mm-hmm. like it's not just the content that we consume like our, our emotional states and like yeah smells like like a smell can remind you of somebody like, mm-hmm. or something, yeah. right? Like even a sound can do that in some cases just triggers a memory yeah, for right? me temperature and, and sense yeah yeah. So actually, so one, one thing that might actually resonate a little more with um, some of our members as well is even even distractions, not, not revolving around technology, but even eating, which I think is kind of a different conversation in and of itself, but really, really similar. Because I know a lot of people and I've, I've been to I've been known to do it myself is, you know, you start feeling a emotion that's really uncomfortable. You don't want to deal with it. And so you think. I don't know, or maybe you don't even think about it. You just find yourself naturally grabbing something that's sweet or or a little bit fatty or salty or whatever, and you're eating this thing to take your mind or your awareness off of this uncomfortable feeling that you have that you have going on in your body. 
And yes, it may, I feel like it may distract you in the moment, but at the same time, it does nothing to solve or at least address the underlying issue that's there. You know, when that, Mm -hmm. when that taste sensation from that awesome piece of pizza you just ate, you know, goes away, that anxiety is still there. Maybe it's calmed down a little bit, but the underlying factor that allows that anxiety to come up in the first place is still there. And so, yes, you may have a, a temporary numbing of that, that sensation, but let one thing similar happen to you again and you'll probably find yourself back in that back in that same situation again grabbing you know grabbing something so do you do you two or either of you have any ideas for for how to sit with that uncomfortable that uncomfortable feeling of whether it's boredom or anxiety or what you can do other than pulling yourself away from it i find more often than not i'm looking for something to do with my hands Right. So if I'm in the evening and it's like a glass of wine, I can hold that glass of wine, which I enjoy wine, um, and constantly sip it over a course of time. Um, but if my hands don't have anything, so often through the week, I'll replace it with bubbly water of some sort. So I'm still holding that wine glass, putting bubbly water in it instead doesn't really matter what's in it. Um, for me, I'm not consuming the wine to get to a drunk state and just want to enjoy the action of it. Mm. So replacing it with something else works for me or trying to find something else to do with my hands where uh, I've been thinking a lot about like, like Morgan in the evening does cross-stitching. Um, it keeps her hands busy, keeps her distracted from wanting to like eat popcorn or that constant motion. So replacing it with something completely different that's not consumable helps pivot that habit of wanting to do something with my hands is what I find in the evening is I'm looking for. I think that's what drew me to video games, to be honest, because like it occupies both my brain and my hands at the same time. Like I'm solving puzzles and my hands are like making the character on the screen, like perform actions in order to try to achieve goals. And it's like very difficult to break habits when we're associating food with specific feelings and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but i find like if i'm playing a video game i become completely immersed in what i'm doing in that game to the point where like i have literally gone 16 to 24 hours and not eaten or drank anything because i was so immersed in that game and making that character like do the things that i was trying to get them to do i actually vividly recall like an ex coming home from work like she i got up before her that morning turned on the game started playing no no (laughs) She got up, got ready for work, went to work, came home. I hadn't moved. I was still in exactly the same spot. But I mean, like, I didn't drink anything, so I didn't need to go to the bathroom. I didn't eat anything, so, like, there was nothing to get up to go get. Literally just sat there with the controller playing that game all day, just distracting myself. In retrospect, I realized, like, that was a distraction for me. I was avoiding some things. But... It's like you can sometimes completely immerse yourself in something else, and that's how you can deal with something in that moment. But that's, that's not going to help you. Get through how you something. can get through it exactly? Like that doesn't help you actually deal with it. At some point, if you're going to get rid of whatever it is that's causing that problem, you have to face it, right? And as uncomfortable as that might be, it is where we all need to get to that point where, like, you like look it right in the face and okay, go, "Like I have to deal with this." Right. And like the longer that you put that off, the more you're just going to try to find distractions to help you cope instead of actually deal. Yeah. What you what you said about having to face it eventually, that's that's where I'm at now, my journey. And I know, you know, I practice meditation and stuff like that, but I'm not immune to any of the 
the things that afflict mankind whatsoever. Like I think of anything, I probably experience them more, even harder than, than a lot of people do. And so for me, when I do feel really uncomfortable things coming up for me, I really try and just sit and, and do nothing and just observe, like just, just take a second and, and focus inward and say, okay, where, where does this feeling of quote anxiety exist in my body? And I'll say, okay, well here I can, I can feel it in my chest. I can feel something in my throat. I can feel my hands clenching up. I can feel it in my face. Oh, I've been frowning for the past 10 seconds or let me take a deep breath up. I've been holding my shoulders up for the past umpteen hours. And so I'll sit there and really try and just consciously feel that exact emotion where it exists in my body and then I'll just sit with it for as long as I could or can. And what I'll often notice is that after three, five, 10, sometimes 15, 20 minutes, it'll start to subside and then go away. And then that's usually when I find some type of clarity to the situation that I'm, that I'm currently you know, immersed in. And I'll say, okay, I couldn't think clearly about the situation because I was in this emotional state. But now that things have calmed down, I can look at it through a different lens. And this might be a better course of action to take as opposed to if I would have responded from that mm -hmm. frustrated or anxious state. And so my, my suggestion if people do want to try something like that is just, just sit with what you're feeling with, even if it's boredom. I think boredom is a, is an amazing thing that people don't want to actually experience. And so they're called to do something, but I think boredom is a, is a messenger in and of itself. What it, what it's prompting you to do, I don't know, but I feel like it's something that if you observe long enough, there can be some, some goodness that comes out of it. You'd be more present at the other side. I guess so, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I was actually going to say, like, you basically just described being present with what you're having to cope with. Right. Right? Like, and that's what I mean when I say you're going to have to face it at some point. Yeah. Like, at some moment, you're going to have to sit and be present with what you're feeling yeah. and work your way through why you feel that way and what you what you are actually experiencing. Right. So you said like you're frowning, right? Or you're holding your shoulders up. Maybe you're clenching your fists. Like these are all like all things that we don't necessarily notice that we're doing, but they're coping mechanisms that our body and our brain are like enacting to help us deal with that situation. But if we don't actually take the time to look and feel and see how what those things are doing to us, then it's not helping you to actually deal with it in the long run. So like basically, if you're going to deal with these things, you have to become present with what you're experiencing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Write it out. Anything else to add to that before we move on to our last our last subject? Mm -hmm. Call-outs. Call-outs. So what are some things that you notice in terms of distractions uh, starting with the gym, gym life? Distractions within the gym? Yeah. Um, Take that however you want to. I think that people use fitness sometimes as a distraction. I would agree. I also agree. Yeah. But I would challenge people to try to be present through their fitness. And some days we just need to be here to be here, right? To get through something, to relieve the stress and not have to pay attention and focus. And But at the end of the day, when you're setting goals and you're trying to like accomplish something or become something or build something within you, whether that's muscle or mind or spirit, it's... You have to be present and uh, listen to what's happening to you. Like in like to that point, movement can release emotion, mm -hmm. right? So if you're completely checked out of the movement that you're doing and not paying attention, again, you are not actually getting the full benefit 
of that movement in the first place. If you want to like really get good at any movement, you have to pay attention to how you move and how you could move more efficiently, right? That requires that you develop some presence. And a lot of people will be on their phone between sets. Right? It's one thing if maybe you took a video and you're analyzing your movement from that video, that's like trying to be present in what was happening. Uh, and then like looking at it after the fact, you, this what I see most of the time is people will sit down between sets, twiddle their thumbs on their phones, or like they're waiting for a class to start. They sit down, they play on their phone. I think it's a perfect opportunity for you to be present, to talk to somebody else that's there. Especially these days, you don't have as many opportunities to interact with one another. So like those are not the times I feel like we should be distracting ourselves. Those are times when you should take the opportunity to basically like interact with your fellow man mm-hmm. assuming that that's what you want in the gym yeah. in that moment right if yeah, you or, if you're leaving your house because you want to be around people or not be alone from working at home all day or and you're going to the gym purposely to try to make some type of connection with people or you're longing for that then be then, be present yeah, be present <laughs> put down your phone yeah. challenge other people it's definitely hard in our society when you try to start a conversation and five other people are on their phone but it takes time, it does, right? Yeah. It takes other people to appreciate you pulling them back into the present. Yeah. And so actually, Kimberly, what you just said is, is really big to me as well, because I know there we have different people that come to the gym, obviously. Um, some of them are going to be introverted. Some of them are going to be extroverted. Some of them are, what do they call it, ambiverts? If you, um, I think it's an ambivert. It's a person who is introverted by nature but can be more extroverted when they need to, when so you know certain social situations arise. I kind of feel like I'm one of those people. But I do, I do understand that a lot of people who come in here maybe want to be physically around other people, but maybe they don't necessarily want to be interacting with those people. I know for me, I'm one of those people. When I come into the gym, I like to, I like to move and, and share that, that energy with other people. But I don't want to talk to people when I'm working out, which is why I put my headphones on. And I guess that is a distraction. It's distracting me from what's going on around me in a, in a, in a hearing sense. Um, but I do enjoy moving in a space where other people are all kind of adding to the, the same type of resonance in a, in a room. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I don't want to have a conversation with a person while I'm in the middle of my workout. So I do use my headphones as a distraction because I want people to know that this <laughs> this is my barrier right now. If I'm you know open to conversation, then I will I will make myself open to conversation. But otherwise I won't be left alone. And so I, I do I do understand it from that part, you know, that perspective that you, you you saying that kind of really made that um get driven home for me. So mm-hmm. yeah. you're not longing for connection, for connection. verbally right. within yeah. the gym space. Right. But you want to be connected through movement. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I think like that in that respect, we're probably looking at like during the workout, I all am the same. I don't want to interact with people necessarily while I'm moving. So like if it's in between sets and I actually have enough time, then yeah, sure. We can have a quick combo. But what I find will happen for me is because I'm working so hard on being present, I then become completely engrossed in that conversation, right? Uh, because like when I practice presence, I do try to bring my full focus and attention to whatever it is that I'm doing. So if somebody is to start a conversation with me, that's now where my entire focus and attention is. And then like I for, like almost forget that I was working out. Mm-hmm. So like when I'm in that workout mode, that's where I want to be. That's where my attention, my focus should be. But like pre-class or post-class, 
would be times when I'm like, I, now I can interact with people. Mm-hmm. And I think like even for introverts, like we need some social inter- interaction, right? Like we are social creatures by nature. And even though we do like being alone and we appreciate our alone time, we still need to have times when we actually sit down, talk and interact with people on a, a personal level. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, <clears throat> last part, I guess call outs. What are some things that you see, uh, either, you know, observational wise or personally when you're out and about in public? I think we probably already touched on most of those, but just out in the world. I don't think you wrote a good article that's will come out at some point or a blog post about how you were very present through a walk that you and your son had. And I don't think that a lot of people put value into a chore or something that they might have. Somebody might think walking my dog and taking my kid outside is a chore, but there is a way to be present through that and to appreciate that. And and it's hard a lot through, like I find COVID has been challenging in order to, for me, as far as like the timelines concern, I focus too much on just getting to the end of it. And I would say even in the last few weeks, like I'm not actively present through my day to day. I'm just waiting for today to be over to for to go into tomorrow because tomorrow leads to the next tomorrow and it continually goes through the cycle like that. Um, so I guess it's almost a call out to myself in a sense to pay attention to the little things and and appreciate Um, more of what we have because there is a lot of value in everything that anybody has regardless of each person's situation there is things to be grateful for and to be present about Hmm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) definitely can relate to that particular sentiment right now Um, it's it's a challenge to be present right now because Mm -hmm. there's so much being bombarded at us in terms of like the global pandemic with COVID happening uh, and like with recent gym closures, at least for us, like that's, that's a huge deal. There's a lot of people talking about those specific things and trying to bring your attention back to those things that are important in the moment can then become very challenging because you have so many thoughts that you're trying to process mm-hmm. and so much different forms of information coming at you that like how do you differentiate between what you need to be dealing with right now and like what you might need to deal with like five ten minutes from now five ten days from now mm-hmm. I, and i think that's a, a whole other conversation that maybe we need to have at a at a later date absolutely um because i i do know for me personally I, I have made the conscious decision to stop consuming a lot of media, um, particularly the CPC. Like, I, I hate to even say this on, on this podcast, but I find that getting, getting a COVID update every five to ten minutes does nothing to help me during the day. Like, if anything, it increases my anxiety even more because I'm having that thrown into my face Constant at every reminder. available opportunity. Yeah. And so for me, my, my biggest uh, my biggest. I guess, uh, relief has been getting outside. And there's been so many times where, again, I, I, I wrote this in my article, but I stress that just to get outside and get out of the mundane kind of indoor life, you're, you're literally immersed in this sensory, sensory rich environment where there's so many things going on, especially if you're on foot and actually, you know, walking as a pedestrian through, through an area, 
there's just there's an infinite number of things that are going on that you can actually focus on. And so what I find is that if I can get myself out of my head, if I haven't filled it with a bunch of you know useless numbers and things that I don't really need to to know because it really doesn't pertain to me, then I just get back into just observing the world as it is. And it's interesting because if you go for a walk or something, especially if you're out in nature, you'll realize that the rest of the world still carries on. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I yes, there's a pandemic going on, but. If you were to walk through downtown Halifax and and not see anybody inside a shop with a mask on, you would have no idea that any of this stuff is going on. So it's really only when you turn on your computer or when you turn on the news that you're reminded that, oh, okay, this is going on. But there's so many other things going on in the world that we're that we're not even aware of. Um, to include like the the mundane things that are going on just in our immediate environment. So I feel I feel if you can get yourself disconnected from that stuff for a little bit, you know, I'm not saying don't check, don't check and see what the case numbers are, what the recent closures may be, but I don't I don't feel it's applicable for most people to be glued into the radios, you know, 24/7 taking mm-hmm. that information because I feel like it just adds more adds more fear and anxiety to a situation that's already spiraling out of control and so you have to have, maybe you do need to distract yourself. I'm using bunny ears right now, quotation marks. Distract yourself by getting outside of that that environment and, you know, going for a walk, um, doing something so that you can rebalance yourself, maybe. Yeah, I think you do, honestly, like, need to disconnect and get out and enjoy nature. Like, I don't think people do that enough in general. Like, forget the pandemic. Like, that doesn't even matter in this situation right now. Most of us do not spend enough time outside, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's just a fact of the way that we live our lives now. Um, but it's um, cold. <laughs> it's cold. I'm like this, yeah. I'm just like December here right now, obviously. So, like, it's cold December outside. December in Nova Scotia. We're pretty yeah, lucky uh, so far from uh, what we've got. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, like, but again, like cold is just an excuse not to experience something right it's mm-hmm. not necessarily something that we should be avoiding you can go outside and go for a walk just because it's cold doesn't mean like just put on some extra layers yeah. like true really but that's is. valuable for some people right yeah. so like the people that can reset through nature yeah like that wouldn't be valuable saying that to somebody just go outside with right. a genuinely hate, disdain yeah. being outside yeah. like or genuinely hate going for walks Um, find something else that'll make you present in what you're doing. And if it starts with a small distraction or a slight change in a habit, I think do what you can in order to find a way to be present, even through the pandemic, because it's happening. And you don't want to look back and go, hmm, what was it like when I was 33 (laughs) through a pandemic? And I don't even remember that entire year of my life, right? Well, good talk. Has anybody got any final thoughts? Anything they want to add? I mean, I feel like we could keep talking about this forever. <laughs> Probably. Like, it's just like it's just a topic that just flows for all of us, I feel like. So uh, I don't really have anything else to add. <laughs> well, folks, thanks for joining us. Um, if you got anything for us, leave us a comment. Make sure you subscribe, share it if you know somebody that might, uh, might need this message. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Splendid Audio Experience. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave it a five-star review, share it with your friends, and subscribe.